on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and my guests today are Addie McCormick and Raphael Corkill, and we're talking about their new short film, The German King, and um, I'm so excited about this. Usually, I don't cover short films, but this one sounded absolutely fascinating to me, and, it, and visually, it's, it's just amazing, and I know it's going to be made into a feature-length film, so I'm really excited to talk about The German King. Addie, you are the one-man show. You were the writer, director, actor. You did everything. <laughs> In this movie. Uh, tell us a little bit about the story and why you decided to write about this. Uh, it's a true story. Why you decided to take this piece of history and make a movie about it. Well, The Jim King is set in 1914. It's the true story about Rudolf Duala Mangabel. He was a Cameroonian prince who was raised in Germany uh, with Kaiser Philip II. And when he came back home to Cameroon and became king, he started to see how his people were being oppressed and killed and just enslaved and subjugated under tyrannical colonial rule. And he decided to stand up and, and do something about it. And what inspired me about the story was that this man stood up against what he felt was wrong. And too often in, you know, in when I was younger, I wouldn't see positive characters in film or television. I wouldn't, especially from that time period. And as an actor, I wanted to find something that would just showcase me and, and allow me to show the world, um, you know, show people how I saw myself. And when I read this character, I was so blown away by just him and what he stood for. And it was just such an amazing person who I wish as a 12 year old, I had, you know, I'd, I'd seen a, this, a person like this on my TV screens or in my films and someone who I would aspire to be like. It, it really is. Um, yeah, the strength and fortitude of uh, of this man was truly amazing. And Raphael, you kind of play the uh, the antithesis of that in some ways. Do you want to talk a little bit about your character in this movie? Absolutely. So I'm playing Kaiser Wilhelm II, who was the king of Germany at this point in time. What's really interesting is what you just said, the antithesis of Rudolf Mangabel. And he is the antithesis in, in many ways. Um, and the film really brings that to the fore. But I think also what's really interesting about the film that Arde wrote and created and directed is that they're very similar in many ways, in really, you know, sometimes quite shocking ways. The fact that and I'm not trying to say that Kaiser Wilhelm is a good guy at all. He's really a criminal and really an awful guy. But there are some interesting similarities in what it means to be a leader. The fact that both Rudolf and Kaiser Wilhelm believe that what they're doing is for the best of their people. They're both really adoring fathers and husbands. And, you know, they both have really tense relationships or, you know, conflicting relationships with their parents, especially their fathers. And in some ways, they're trying to make up for things that their fathers did or didn't do. So the antithesis, absolutely. But also there are some really interesting parallels between the two men, and I'm sure Ade will tell you now. Um, Rudolf was raised in Germany with Kaiser Wilhelm, basically as his brother. Uh, so there are some really complex relationship uh, issues going on there in terms of the betrayal that, that eventually comes forward that both men feel. And that's what the 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 center of this story is about. Is I mean, there's so many things, but the, their friendship, and uh, as you say, they grew up like brothers. Um, why was um, why 
why was um, the main character, I can't remember his name right now, I'm, I'm sorry. Rudolf Duala. Ru- Rudolf Duala. Why was he in Germany? Why was he um, being raised in Germany? If you remember in around, I think, 1865, during the scramble for Africa, the powers, the colonial powers, so that was Germany, uh, that was England, that was France, that was Belgium, they carved up Africa. But one of the ways that they were able to hold on to power within the various countries in Africa was by taking, let's say, the eldest born son of the um, ruling party, or the, sorry, the ruling uh, tribe or ethnic group, and then raising them in the palace with the kings and their children. So in effect, making them German, so that when they came back, they could rule with German interests and just perpetuate German interests within the country. And that's why Rudolf Dwalamanga Bell was in, in Germany. Very fascinating. I it's it's no really idea. interesting. It's, it's almost like a Game of Thrones type situation where, you know, whoever's in charge will take um, the son of whoever he wants to oppress or rule over kind of as, you know, a ward that, yeah, we're going to raise him and, you know, we'll educate him, etc. But really as a hostage. Um, and that's also what's happened as well, that King Rudolf's son is now... Kaiser Wilhelm II's quote-unquote ward, but really hostage, which, you know, obviously brings in, you know, no spoilers, but brings in a lot of uh, really difficult decision-making for Rudolf, first of all, but then also um, for Wilhelm. It's It's a really dark strategy, but it's one that, you know, these European rulers really, really try to use. And and, go ahead, go ahead, Addy. Oh, no, and that's, and and so you'll see in the film that that's very much uh, something that creates a lot of conflict within Rudolf and ultimately affects what his decision is going to be. Is he going to stand up and rebel against Germany or is he going to sit down and be quiet um, because of the whole quote unquote hostage situation that's going on at this time? And and how long uh, was this practice upheld that... So from the scramble for Africa from the 1860s up until the First World War around 1914, that's uh, how long this practice went on for. Pretty amazing. I, I, First of all, I have to tell you, this movie is just visually stunning. Um, the, Thank you very much. Really, truly. Um, the, the lighting, uh, the camera work, the costumes, all of the acting. I mean, it was just exquisite. Um, so often we think when we see a short film, we're not going to see something of quality. I, I hate to say that. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. And yet the short films are, um, there are short film festivals all over uh, the country nowadays, and they're always really fascinating. And obviously, when watching this, it was just, a, to me, just a glimpse of deeper issues, deeper a deeper story. So I was hoping that you were using this as a launching pad to make it a full-length feature. Is that exactly the case? Is that what you're doing right now? Absolutely, absolutely. There's so many themes and so many storylines that we want to explore and uh, just basically take the time to flesh out but we couldn't do that with a 20 minute short film so our plan is to use this as a proof of concept so that you know sometime next year we could go ahead and get the financing to do a full-length feature film well, it's definitely one that I would highly recommend for everybody to go see. And when you do finally get the uh, full-length feature film, I definitely want to have you back on the show and talk about it in more <laughs> detail, too. Um, going, going, sorry, just going back to what you were saying, Jen, it's really interesting about the visual quality of the, of the film, which is, I mean, extraordinary. I have to say, when Ade first said where it was going to be shot, I thought, 
Okay, this is going to be interesting. I've, I'm from Europe, I'm from Great Britain, and I've grown up around the history that we have there and the architecture that goes with it. And when Ari told me, yeah, we're going to be shooting it in Ohio, in Cincinnati, <laughs> I thought, okay, all right, we'll, we'll, it's, it's, we'll see how this one goes. But And it was this really surreal kind of movie magic experience where we drove from where we were staying to the location and we were driving past, you know, the Bed Bath & Beyond and the, uh, you know, <laughs> the donut shop and the gas station and then pull up to this legitimate German palace in the middle of Cincinnati. And it's just just columns and, you know, gilt everything and beautiful grounds with statues and everything. We walk in, we're like, how does this exist here? And the first day I got there, they were shooting a lot of Arde's parts. In fact, the specific moment where he's having a, a council with, with, his, with the other tribal chiefs. And all of a sudden, we go into this other room and it's like, okay, now we're legitimately in Cameroon. Um, <laughs> just the way the set was decorated, the warmth of the light and of course all the actors there in their really formal magnificent attire um it was it was a surreal experience going from cincinnati you know 21st century city to then germany in the you know built in the 19th 19th century to then all of a sudden cameroon um it's you know there was some amazing movie magic that was going on i was just going to say amazing movie magic for sure well I, it's funny that you say this because i actually i i had to go through, i I, I I saw Ohio and I went. Did I say Ohio? So I stopped it and rewound it yep. and to look at it again. And I went. They filmed this in Ohio. And I went to I went to Miami of Ohio, <laughs> which is oh, about an hour away from Cincinnati. I don't remember the German castle though. I don't know if I explored that that much. <laughs> so that was fascinating. Now, how did you find this German castle in Cincinnati, Ohio? Well, I did a lot of research. I knew I didn't have the financing to go all the way to shoot in Germany and then also shoot in Cameroon and basically shoot at palaces there. And so I decided to search all across America to find a location that looked most similar to the Berlin City Palace and, um, you know, some of the other German palaces there, as well as Pagoda de Douala, the the Palace of the Kings in Cameroon. And I came across this one location that I thought could serve as both. And also I hired some extraordinary people to work on my team, like Stefanica uh, Kay, who was our um, production designer, and Justin Janowitz, who was my cinematographer, and um, and then also Mariama Suma, who did our wardrobe. And just the combination of doing a lot of research and looking at what these locations looked like back in the 19, 1914 from existing photographs and paintings, I was able to recreate uh, those locations and uh, the costumes and styles um, in, <laughs> in Ohio. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so I, I, I saw that, Paul, is, did I read it right? Polly Perrette is one of your executive producers? Polly Perrette is our executive producer. That is correct. Yes. How did you get her involved in this project? Well, well, she's a dear friend. And also I worked with her when I was on the show NCIS. And we also go to church together. And I had called about the project and, and left a message. And then she read about it because we had a, um, a Indiegogo you know, fundraising campaign. And she she read everything about it. And she said, oh, my goodness, I think the story's amazing. I think it's very timely with everything that's going on today. Um, I want to get involved. And so she 
came on board as our executive producer. And I'm just because she's a huge human rights activist and she loves telling stories that matter and make a difference and ultimately affect change. And so that's how she came on board. That's great. I agree with her. You know, that's what movies are about. That's why I love doing what I do, because I get to talk to everyone who uh, is making a difference through filmmaking and uh, about their passions. And that's always fun to do. And not everybody's so passionate about everything they do. How long did it take to actually write this, Adi? Well, I sat down over December, I think, in 2017. And I just read it. I I wrote it within two or three days. Wow, (laughs) wow. It took a few more months to just polish and and, uh, get to where, where it needed to be. But it was just, I remember reading up on Rudolph Duala Mangabel on the internet and just wondering why his story had not been told yet. And it really spoke to me to my core because there's so much going on today, uh, you know, with people just not standing up for what they believe or what they feel is right. You know, you look at, um, you know, I I remember there's this this image of this boy. uh, This was back in, you know, during during the Syria crisis. And there was that young boy who was wiping dirt off his face. And I remember thinking, dirt and blood, I think it was that he'd been in an explosion. And I remember thinking to myself, why does this continue? Why aren't more people speaking up and, and being outraged by this situation? And you realize the reason why a lot of these things happen is because not enough people are standing up and speaking out against injustices. And so I figured, let me use my art form, let me use my platform to talk about injustice and bring and, and use this film to also shine a light on different things that are going on today and, and show that, you know, yes, you are one person, but you do have a voice and you can make a change. I think one thing that's really amazing about it is that even in order for people to stand up against injustice, they have to be aware of the injustice. Yeah. And one of the really important things about the German King is that this story has never been told. I was a history major at, in college, and my speciality within history was imperialism and colonialism in West Africa. And when Adi told me about this story, this was, I don't know, four or five years ago, and every single thing he told me was just more and more extraordinary and outrageous and just really fascinating. I couldn't believe that I'd never even heard a crumb of any of this story. And I think that's something that we in the world at the moment are now starting to realize, that there are certain stories that, you know, have just been ignored or maybe swept under the carpet or just tried to be forgotten. And this film really refuses to do that. It's bringing this story of great injustice, of great sacrifice, of great heroism right to the forefront. And not in a not in a kind of, you know, preachy way. It's done in a way that's really just open and honest and actually really gripping. It's a it's a thriller at the at the core. You know, it's it's the kind of film that is also really gripping to watch as well as edifying. Yes, it is. Just going off what Raphael had said, uh, I think I, I grew up in Africa and I had no idea this happened. I and a lot of my friends didn't either. And so I realized, wait a minute. Uh, in fact, I remember when we had a screening back in New York, there was a lady who said, until the lion tells the side of the story, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. And I realized, okay, so we have to now start telling stories from our perspective and put these stories back into history books. The people also know, you know, their history and are aware of the, the sacrifices that our ancestors made and um, and also our contributions to things like World War I, um, which I was not aware of at the time. So 
yeah, it's just it's very important to tell stories such as this. I, I totally agree. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to The Jam Price Show all about movies. And my guests today are Audie McCormick and Raphael Korkill. And we're talking about their new movie, The German King. Um, it, it, there is, a, I mean, it is very timely. The story is very, very timely uh, with everything that is going on in the world. But it's also fascinating. There are so many uh, movies coming out now about World War One. I. I mean, there's been so many about World War Two, but because of uh-huh. the hundred year anniversary uh, of the war, uh, it just seemed there was a proliferation in the last few years and more of an interest in World War One. That was a really ugly terrible, terrible war. Uh, Very much so. I mean, I think it was the most devastating conflict in history to that point by quite a margin. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I think the fact that there was just mechanized war, the fact that there was just the, I mean, it's the first quote-unquote world war, where it's not just between within a region or between a couple of countries, it's the entire world involved with it, either as battlefields or with nations from across the world being being involved with it. And, you know, during my research, it was really clear to me that Kaiser Wilhelm was right at the heart of creating this conflict, you know, really just his temper, his aggression. And you don't necessarily see him in conference with other world leaders at this time, but you see in this movie his temper, his, uh, you know, there's almost an element of instability there, which is which is really quite frightening and you see what that can lead to. Very definitely. Uh, very definitely. I mean, it was it was interesting, the, the juxtaposition between the two characters. Uh, uh, definitely. And why why do you think this is, a, you know, this is a story about heroism, definitely. Um, why do you think that we're not teaching these kinds of, you know, these are true stories, reality, this happened. Why do you think that these are not being taught in schools or in, are not in history books. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, honestly, I think from, for me, I think it's because of the fact that they always say history is written by the victor. And so because Africa didn't really, um, you know, the, the colonial powers still somewhat, somehow were the ones who won, you know, the, the various conflicts around, around the world, they're the ones who ended up writing our history. And so I think that's pretty much the reason why that's happened. And so finally, we're able to go back and uncover stories like this and, and you know, read things up on the internet and, and you know, actually listen to the things that our great-grandparents had been telling us and say, oh, wait a minute, there is an alternate history <laughs> or mm-hmm. the, the real history that we were not aware of. And and there's this great resurgence around the world of people coming uh, and people from African of African descent and, and, and people from, from the West realizing, oh, what we've been spoon-fed, what we've been taught isn't necessarily the truth, <laughs> but there is also a deeper truth. And so many people had sacrificed their lives and had worked so hard and fought so hard to, you know, to, to give us the freedoms that we have today. I think that's, I think that's, I couldn't agree more. And I think just going back to this idea of the hunter will tell the story of the hunt, which is such a powerful image. Um, that the victor will really want the whole story to be very purely one of heroism about, about them. And even though, say, these former colonial uh, powers, you know, might well have won first, second world war, etc. They don't want any light to be shone on the elements of their past in which they were less than heroic, in which they were, in yeah. fact, pretty brutal. And by opening the box to German colonial history, which was up there with the cruelest, um, then there's also darkness cast on the other um, imperial rules Um, and I think that's I wonder if that's something that you know has been wanted to be steer cleared of 
and Raphael, you hit the nail on the head. We do go very deep into some of the atrocities that were committed by some of these colonial powers. We do talk about the concentration camps that were in existence. I think sometimes people would think that, you know, things like genocide and concentration camps only happened in, you know, Hitler's Germany and when World War II. But a lot of these things have been happening way before that. And so we do delve very deeply into a, into a side of history that I think a lot of people would rather, you know, would remain hidden and, and kept in the past. But, um, you know, but these are things that had happened and we're now bringing to light in this film. Well, I was my like, experience as well. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Raphael. I was going to say my personal experience is that alongside all of this revealing of truth and discussion of really broad global events, really it's a human story at the heart of it mm-hmm. that both yes. uh, King um, Rudolf Dwalemangabel, Kaiser Wilhelm, and both of our wives, uh, Queen Emily for Kaiser for King Rudolf and then um, Empress Augusta for Kaiser Wilhelm, we're all, you see their marriages. You see who yes. they are as human beings. So it's not some kind of abstract history lesson. This yes. is a real human drama. And as I was investigating Kaiser Wilhelm, at the same time as I saw just this brutally cruel guy who, you know, was murderous in his rule in Namibia, in Tanzania, and of course in Cameroon, um, you know, who was really responsible for the most devastating conflict of all time to that point, World War One, um, who was such an awful person that other European royals, um, statesmen in Europe just couldn't even bear to be in the same room as him. There were elements of him that were really human. Um, the fact that he had this disability, this withered arm that he was really sharply aware of and insecure about. The fact that he had a really uh, tempestuous relationship with his mother, who was English, that then caused in him kind of conflict about his relationship with England versus being German. Um, these really human elements come to the fore in the film. And I think there's, it's not apologizing at all for what he's done, but it really gives a sense that this isn't some abstract villain that we can't understand this is a real person and it only takes a few things to happen for this um for a a tyrant like this for a real cruel villain like this to have power and um and really exert a lot of uh cruel conflict on the world and adding to that one of the things that also makes him very human is is though yes they're both fathers and you realize a lot of what makes us human is our need for legacy our need to make this place a better this world a better place for our children and so in trying to understand the motives of kaiser villain ii i was able to sort of write seeing him as a father and allowing those similarities you know having him and Rudolf share that and then also but their execution of trying to make the world a better place could not be more different but their drive legacy and the need to make this place better for their you know the the offspring it is fascinating right when you think about it that both have the same intention but come about it from two different ways of doing it for sure you have uh, this I mean, we only have like a little about a minute left and you have taken this to numerous film festivals in fact you're going to be at I don't know if you've already gone to it but the Martha Martha Vineyards uh, Film Festival and that's an Oscar qualifying festival um, Have you, is, is that coming up? Yes yeah, so okay. actually we just gone to four Oscar qualifying oh, festivals great. we'll have our premiere at the LA Shorts International Film Festival on the 20th July 20th so everyone come see it yes yes <laughs> yes we will also be screening at the RSF uh, Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival as well as the Bronze Lens Film Festival as well as the Rhode Island uh, Film Festival festival as well so and a bunch of other ones as well and we'll be uh, announcing those in the coming weeks wow well i wish you much success i i'm i know 
hopefully this is going to be a full-length feature film. It, it deserves to be. Uh, and Thanks, yeah. it's really, for, in 20 minutes, you put an awful lot in it, and I can't wait uh, to see the full-length because I know there'll be so much more uh, involved with it. And I just wish you much success. And I thank you so much for being on the show. You've been great guests, and I really have enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks, Thank Jan. Really uh, fantastic conversation. Thank you. You've been listening to the Jan Price Show all about movies. And my guests today have been uh, Adi McCormick and Raphael Korkel. And we've been talking about The German King. If you would like, go to thejampriceshow.com and on Facebook and also to on the website. And we have a new comment section. So please go there and write your comments, uh, thoughts, concerns, anything you would like to talk to about our show. And also listen to the Price Movie Minute movie reviews too and you can listen to archive shows that you may have missed and also we are on iHeartRadio's podcast channel on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1 streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business The Jan Price Show The Yozio Theater in downtown Monterey is now open every day, showing independent and foreign films. The Yozio Theater has new concession offerings, including beer, wine, hard cider, and their homemade lush slush. You can now schedule private event screenings for community charity events, birthdays, anniversaries, or just a fun gathering of friends. For more information, visit the Yozio Theater online at oziotheater.com. 